morning. It's 11 minutes before 7 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Sitka Schools Superintendent Steve Bradshaw is reportedly in stable condition at a Seattle hospital after being medevaced last week. In a news release from the Sitka District Office, Assistant Superintendent Deidre Jensen says that Bradshaw was attending a conference in Juneau last Friday where he sustained multiple injuries in a fall. He was subsequently medevaced to Seattle for additional care. Jensen says that due to the extent of Bradshaw's injuries, he will have some recovery time. Nevertheless, he's planning on returning to finish his interim superintendent role for the remainder of the year. Bradshaw was hired on July 1st for one year to serve as interim superintendent, while the Sitka School Board searched for a full-time replacement for Frank Hauser, who left the job in Sitka to become superintendent in Juneau. Bradshaw has been an education professional for 44 years. He came out of retirement for the interim post in Sitka. He most recently was the superintendent of the Columbia Falls, Montana School District from 2014 to 2020. Prior to that, he was superintendent in Sitka for 13 years and principal of Sitka High School for three years. The Sitka Assembly is giving the thumbs up to a project led by local Green Thumbs. When the Assembly met last night, it considered a proposal to develop a garden on a city-owned lot on Jarvis Street. Supporters of the Sitka Community Garden Project see it as a step toward addressing food insecurity in the community. The project is a collaboration between the Sitka Local Foods Network and Transition Sitka, a nonprofit focused on sustainability. Assembly members voiced support for the proposal, but there wasn't consensus on how to move forward with a lease. Some wondered if putting the land out to competitive bid was the right route, while others felt that a formal request for proposals wouldn't be necessary due to the nature of the project. Ultimately, they asked the city attorney to research whether they could legally lease the lot to the gardeners without an RFP. We'll have more on the Assembly's discussion on Raven News tonight at 518. A new study suggests that booming hatchery populations could increase the risk of salmon suffocation in rivers and streams across southeast Alaska. As conditions get hotter and drier due to climate change, scientists believe hatchery strays could create overcrowded, smothering conditions and put wild salmon at risk. KTOO's Anna Canny reports. In 2013, researcher Chris Sargent was doing some routine water quality monitoring in Sitka's Indian River when he noticed the oxygen levels in the water were unusually low. Pretty much lethal, getting close to zero. Fish started dying off and many of them were hatchery-raised pinks. Sargent developed a hypothesis. Too many salmon breathing too much oxygen and it's unnaturally high population because of these stray hatchery fish. A new study by Sargent and his research team suggests that across southeast Alaska, straying hatchery salmon could put pressure on wild salmon habitat that's already vulnerable due to climate change. The water in rivers and streams has dissolved oxygen in it, which salmon and other fish breathe through their gills. When those fish can't get enough oxygen, it's known as hypoxia. It can suffocate spawning salmon, or it can slow them down on their trip upstream. They may not make the spawning grounds in time or have enough time to spawn. So there's a lot of really subtle effects in addition to just massive die-offs that might happen. Since the 70s, hatchery production across Alaska has grown, especially for pink and chum salmon. Hundreds of millions of fish are released each year. They're supposed to return to their hatchery when they spawn. 
but they commonly stray into wild streams. According to the study's authors, that puts wild salmon at a higher risk of hypoxia. Many southeast rivers and streams already face low oxygen due to human-caused climate change. Hotter water holds less oxygen, and when warming temperatures come along with drought, that makes things even worse, because an ideal salmon habitat is rough and fast-flowing. That kind of water is oxygen-rich. The more the water tumbles and foams, the more opportunity it has to exchange with the atmosphere. So that tumbling motion of the water is basically injecting oxygen. Climate change could slow stream flows by bringing drought to southeast Alaska. Extreme rainstorms may be punctuated by longer dry periods, especially in the summer. And declining mountain snowpack could cause drought, too. Ryan Belmore is a U.S. Forest Service researcher who co-authored the study. He said abundant winter snow feeds watersheds as it melts gradually throughout the spring and summer. Without it, salmon streams could dry up and slow down in the summer heat. We're moving towards a condition where more of our watersheds are likely going to be more prone to this. According to the study, more than 10,000 miles of southeast salmon streams are primed for hypoxia, which means those cramped conditions could strangle even more wild salmon. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. Wrangell, like Sitka, is one of the first coastal communities to face major wastewater treatment upgrade requirements. This year, Sitka's assembly funded an over $7 million update to the city's wastewater plant to meet the new testing and treatment requirements. But as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, as Wrangell plans for a similar project, officials say they feel like they're aiming for a moving target. The Federal Environmental Protection Agency has updated its proposed new wastewater treatment permit for the island community of Wrangell. It's the first of nine Alaska communities that all operate under the same type of wastewater permit waiver to receive updates. The agency initially proposed a permit with new requirements in October of last year, but there have since been changes. EPA spokesperson Bill Dunbar says the newest proposal corrects some internal errors made by agency staff. We discovered that it needed some nips and tucks. There were a couple of uh, errors that we needed to tidy up. The updated proposal also adds additional testing requirements, like testing growth rates and toxicity in various fish and shellfish species. We also did add monitoring for PFAS, which is a we call an emerging contaminant that EPA and, and others are concerned about and interested in. So there's some monitoring that, that's required now under that permit. Wrangell's wastewater treatment facility is one of a handful in the state that operate on what's called a 301H waiver. It's a federal permit that upholds state water quality standards while allowing certain coastal communities to forego full treatment of sewage. It basically allows the communities to pipe minimally treated waste into the ocean. So it's very close partnership with the state to make sure that as we write new permits under this waiver program that um, they still meet state water quality standards. Dunbar says the focal point of updated permits is new state water quality standards for a few types of bacteria. The new permits try to clamp down on potential fecal bacterial contamination in the waters around communities where people recreate or harvest seafood. The old adage used to be the solution to pollution is dilution, and that's essentially what the Wrangell plant was designed to do. That's Wrangell's Public Works Director, Tom Waiter. He's been in communication with wastewater regulatory agencies and says it's been a frustrating process. Now the rules are changing and, and solution to pollution is, is not really dilution anymore. Like they're, they, they want it actually treated, not just diluted. 
Waiter calls the updated permit a massive increase in testing requirements. Wrangell's current wastewater treatment system won't be able to meet the new requirements. The community will have to set up a disinfection step for the effluent or what leaves the treatment plant. Initial engineering estimates put the price tag of the new setup at over $12.5 million. Waiter says testing expenses alone will likely increase four to five times what they are now. He says it's been a discouraging process to work with the regulatory agencies on the community's new permit. From one year to the next, they just continue adding more and more requirements and stipulations in. He says he feels like every time he meets with the EPA or State Division of Environmental Conservation, which sets state water quality standards, the goalposts continue to be moved. At the end of the day, like, Wrangell gets it and we're on board. Like, we want to have good water quality being discharged out into the receiving waters. But it feels a little bit like the EPA basically didn't do anything for 20 years and now they're trying to make up for lost time and they're trying to cram everything down on us here all at once. Wrangell is on the smaller end of communities with 301H waivers. Others in southeast include Petersburg, Sitka, and Ketchikan. There are also some major cities with the waivers as well, like Anchorage and even San Diego, California. The other 301H communities in Alaska also face permit updates and increased requirements in the coming years. Waiter says Wrangell and other small southeast communities are working with national engineering firm HDR to try and communicate with regulatory agencies as a block. Although the permit isn't quite final yet, Waiter says Wrangell officials are trying to think outside the box and find funding to meet the new requirements without overburdening ratepayers. Utility rates in the community have jumped in the past two years already, with sewer rates increased by around 50%. Waiter says EPA officials told him they'd take into consideration the community's comments about cost. I was like, well, yeah, consideration doesn't pay the bills. You know, so until it's until we know that we're going to get some help on this or that there's going to be some help with the funding for these mandates, we have to assume that we're paying for it out of our own pocket and we can't afford that. Wrangell submitted comments on its updated proposed permit at the end of August. Waiter says he thinks Wrangell's final permit could be issued in October. Then it'll be crunch time for the community to set up new testing procedures and get moving on sewage disinfection to fulfill the requirements before the next permit review five years from now. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website, kcaw.org. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good morning. The time is 30 seconds after 7 a.m. Just a reminder... There's a flood watch in effect starting tomorrow morning through Friday evening. We're expecting two to four inches of rain.